just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Everybody, my name is Dave. <laughs> so, what rap starts with hello, everybody? All good ones. And I was just making a suggestion on how I think the show should start. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave. And welcome to the Do Go On podcast. My name is Dave. <gasps> Warnicky, and I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Ooh, Stewart. He rhymed Dave with Dave. Yeah. Hey, that technically rhymes. It's no good, but it's it rhyme rhymes. 101. I'm going to rhyme Jess with mess. Nice. Mm, Matt. That's rhyme 102. <laughs> Matt with cat. Dave with? Dave. Exactly. Pave. See? Dave doesn't rhyme with anything. Wave. No? Oh, okay, except for that. And orange. <laughs> okay, that works too. And purple. Hmm. And silver. It's mostly colours. Yeah, my name rhymes with every colour. But, uh, I'm a rainbow. <laughs> rainbow oh, boy. Oh, a little rainbow boy. Little rainbow Dave. I'm going to change. You know how I always update our nicknames in our group chat? Yes. I'm just going to change Dave to just the emoji of a rainbow. That's a real improvement because at the moment he's bin boy. No, he's boy who belongs in the bin. Oh, sorry. I forget that because you never you see, see your it. own name. I know. I forgot I'm lonely girl. <laughs> I don't am, remember why. Bearded one. <laughs> that showed me. Yeah. <laughs> It shows yeah. that you're you no discerning features. <laughs> Just a floating beard. <laughs> That's all we see. Hmm. Cut the beard off. You don't exist. Oh. Samson's hair, Matt's beard, no powers left. You are nothing. Hmm. Thank you. Uh, the way oh, the way we do this show is I did get people to suggest um, ways of describing the show, and I don't oh, have any did. of them ready. I'll do one of them next week. So what about you have your you own... You have a go. Have a crack. Have, okay. Describe um, the show to the listeners. Uh, three obvious friends hang out. 
One teaches the other two about a topic that they've researched real hard. And we start the episode. The other two don't know what the topic is. That's pretty good. And we start the episode with a question from the report giver to get us on to the topic. This question also could be real hard. Everything here is real hard. Rock. Rock hard. (laughs) And Jess's question. Which I always write. Um, So here I am reading it right now. Ah, yes. Reading. Pointing at a laptop. That's how I read, Not a touch screen, Jess. No, I know, but I must point to read. This is something you've known about me for a long time. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Love this character. It's great. I mean, where are you from? I don't know. <laughs> the not too I'm distant future. I'm quite sick. Um, uh, what is the stage name of Farrokh Balsara? <laughs> oh, I mean, I know this. I think. R- well, first, can I just say you're an idiot for getting a stage name, Farrokh? <laughs> Come on. I think he's a Farrokh star. Is it Freddie Mercury? It is Freddie Mercury. All right. I stand corrected. That is a sweet name. <laughs> Freddie Mercury is a fantastic stage so, name. So would Farrokh Mercury be? Oh, Farrokh. Farrokh is so good. That is very good. Are we talking about Freddie Mercury? We're talking about Freddie Great. fucking Mercury. Oh, Farrokh. So for ages, my topics have all been voted on, which is always really nice. I really enjoy doing that, but it's kind of liberating then to be able to just choose. Oh, but it's also terrifying. It's terrifying. You're like, I mean. Is, is this th- right? Is this good? Do people want to hear this? And then I went back through the hat to grab all the names of the people who suggested it, and it's been suggested a lot. Some people just suggesting Freddie Mercury, uh, some people saying Freddie Mercury and Queen. Um, Are you ignoring those people? No, I'll be doing a bit of both, but the focus is definitely on Freddie. On Farrokh. On Farrokh. And roll. We will Farrokh you. That's got to be his autobiography. Oh. We are the Tell me he's still alive to write it. I guess we'll find out. Oh, dear. Um, this was suggested by, okay, here we go. Gina Thrapp, Will White, Jocelyn Bamford, Paul Seddon, Derek Hurrigan, uh, what a- Kevin Packrad. I mean, Jess, it does sound a lot. You've logged it onto randomnamegenerator.com. <laughs> Thwack. When someone was named Thwack. Thrapp. Oh, Thrapp. Sorry. Come on, mate. Also, That's the sound that um, that Spider-Man makes when he's... <laughs> Jack's off. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, thrap. Boom, boom, thrap. We will, we will rock you. <laughs> boom, boom, thrap. <laughs> boom, boom, thrap. <laughs> um, That's a bit of beatbox humour. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, okay. It was also suggested by Amelia uh, Bartoloni. Uh, <laughs> this is, he's oh, not every you. single name. Sorry, just thing. let me thank these people. I thought he slipped into a slight accent. <laughs> I didn't. Floating. <laughs> these names have been some of the best we've ever had, and we always get great names. This one's just one name. It's Ashmeter. Oh, my God. What and also that? by Cat Goldman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Thanks good. for letting me get through that so seamlessly. Wow. Every single one of those names was amazing. Thrap, really. Thrap did Copping stand out. Copping it a bit there. Copping it. What? Love? Yeah. Praise? Yeah. <laughs> what? How did you turn that positive thing I said I into a negative thing? I'm sorry, Jeff. Okay. So. <clears throat> uh, boom, boom. Thrap. <laughs> <laughs> 
Farrokh Balsara was born on the 5th of September 1946 in Zanzibar. Did you know that? I did know that. Do you know what where Zanzibar is now? Tanzania. God, he's good at little geography, right, my <laughs> Um, the capital is Dar el Salaam. And I think Zanzibar must be some sort of a, a restaurant or chain in America. Zanzibar? Because, yeah, because um, Jack Black in the song says, to I won't make it, but I'll order in from Zanzibar. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll fucking fuck you discreetly. <laughs> That's a great Tonight's Day song. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of an oxymoron, Dave. They're yeah. all great. It makes so, it a uh, tautology, Jess. Tautology. But still... <laughs> Jess, I still got slam dunked by you there. <laughs> I love this supportive environment. I love it. He's even supporting. He's going, no, you really got me there. <laughs> I know how supportive it is. Yeah. You yeah, again. Me up. I'm saying positive. You're taking my tone all weird. <laughs> it's, I mean, ma- mainly is your head cold, so pray for Bob. Yeah, I know. Pray for Bob. I get think it, I sound kind of cool. Get it trending. No? All right. <laughs> your face was like, ooh. Um, his parents were from the uh, re- from a region of the then province of Bombay in British India. They'd moved to Zanzibar for his father's work. Uh, he worked at the British Colonial Office. I think he was some kind of civil servant. Um, and he and and Farrakh spent his childhood in India. Um, he began taking piano lessons when he was seven years old. And when he was eight in nineteen fifty four, he was sent to a boarding school uh, near Bombay. Um, the school was called St Peter's School, and this is where he started to call himself Freddie. Hey. <laughs> Farrakh didn't cut it. Yeah. Imagine Peter's. like imagine you put so much effort into naming a child, I assume. I guess you don't just do a random word name generator. No one to come with Farrakh. Yeah. Oh, man, they and must then, have felt so good about but that. But then the kid oh. goes and changes it to like mm. Fred. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like, are you serious? <laughs> We gave you an interesting name. We gave you the name of a prince, and you've taken a dog's name. <laughs> what are you, a little dog? Fred. If you're going to be called Fred, will you sleep on the floor, <laughs> you dog? Yeah. You'll never be a superstar with that name. Boy, were they wrong. Ooh, Ooh. sizzle. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, really? Does he have a noteworthy life in, <laughs> in some way? Um, at the age of 12, we started his first band. I just want to say throughout this entire report, there are some very good band names. Uh, his first band when he was 12 was called The Hectics. That's Love a great it. band name. Love it. Especially for a 12-year-old. Pretty clever. Um, the... <laughs> it makes you think. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. Mm. The Hectics. I get it. Or is it The Hectics? My oh, God, it God. works on two levels. Life at 12. <laughs> Oof. Um, they covered uh, a lot of uh, music such as Cliff Richard and Little Richard, specifically Richards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Freddie wowed his fellow students with his ability to listen to a song on the radio and then play what he'd heard on the piano. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be he wowed his fellow students by his ability to listen to a song on the radio. Check this out, guys. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. God, Look how at him is go. he doing that? <laughs> I can hear it too. Not as good as me. Yeah, this kid is some kind of genius. <laughs> That's pretty. That is uh, that is a talent. Playing by ear to play yes, it back. Absolutely. Um, that means like he goes with his ear, goes. 
Matt's grabbing his ear like a trumpet. Is that what that means? Yes, he could play the piano like an ear trumpet. <laughs> yes. I'm really glad Matt translated that. Yeah. <laughs> Two. Two-hander. Yeah, I can play by ears. <laughs> um, Cop that, Freddie. <laughs> he, he could only do one. Yeah. In, uh, in 1963, when he was 17, he moved back to Zanzibar where his parents were still living. And not long after he returned, though... Freddie and his family fled from Zanzibar for safety reasons due to the 1964 Zanzibar Revolution. <laughs> I mean, you did just say they fled Zanzibar. <laughs> did I? <laughs> I was going to let it go, but then Matt and I, we locked eyes. And he it's gave me a look. It's funny because it's a, it was bad. Lots of people died. Lots of people fled. <laughs> fled. Lots of, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Freddie and his family fled. Brilliant. Why? For safety reasons. Oh, God, I wish I'd heard that bit before I chimed in. I had said it. Due to the 1964 Zanzibar Revolution in which thousands of Arabs and Indians were killed. So they left and they went to England. Uh, so they moved to the UK and he enrolled in Isleworth Polytechnic, which is now known as the West Thames College in West London, and he studied art there. He uh, ended up earning a diploma in art and graphic design. You might not have known that. I, di- I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Huh, thank you. <laughs> this has been worth it. <laughs> After he graduated, he joined a few bands. Uh, he worked selling secondhand clothes in Kensington Market with his girlfriend, Mary Austin. In 1969, he joined the Liverpool-based band Ibex, later renamed Wreckage. <laughs> what, what's Ibex? How's that spelled? I-B-E-X. Ibex. Oh, ibex. Ibex sounds like a yeah, like a some sort of a thing you drop into a water and it fizzes up and it makes your tummy feel better. Effervescent. Effervescent. It's, it's an effervescent. It's Have a, an ibex and lie down. Yeah. Isn't that a saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goes goes all the way back. You're to thinking that band. of an Alka Seltzer. Alka Seltzer. That's a well, good. That's band a name. good band name. <laughs> um, Freddie and the Alka Seltzers. <laughs> mini 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 mini. Just to find that out of her ear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when the band Wreckage uh, failed to take off. That sounds like a Dimebag Daryl side project. Yeah, it's good. it does have a metalish yeah. vibe about it. Well, then he joined a second band called Sour Milk Sea. Did you mean that as, as a joke, Wreckage failed to take off? No. It was pretty good. It's good stuff. Yes. It was a pretty good accident. Then yes. That Wreckage was a pretty good accident. Thank you. Sadly, Wreckage crashed and burned. Yes. Yeah, this is all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes and joins another band, and then by early the next year, though, they, they'd broken up as well. So he was... Um, is he playing piano and singing? Is that his Yeah, his yeah, forte? yeah. He also he took up guitar later as well, but his main things were, um, yes, singing and the piano. And listening. And listening. <laughs> to radio specifically. On stage. Early on, that was the encore. <laughs> the the band... <laughs> He'd come out with a little tape deck. But he put it really close to his own ear. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> Check this out as he nods to the crowd. That was a good act out, Matt. <laughs> and everyone is just losing it. <laughs> Look at him go. Oh, it was honestly breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, a couple of years earlier, though, in 1968, a guitarist by the name of Brian May, a student at London's Imperial College, and a bassist named Tim Staffel decided to form a band. Uh, Brian placed an ad uh, on a college notice board for a drummer, and Roger Taylor, a young dental student, auditioned and got the job. The group called themselves Smile. <laughs> 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 I like it. Was it. Did you say so? Freddie joined. No. So oh, this, at this yet. stage, just Cause Brian because he's got a famous smile as well. Oh, he does. Good point. No. So it's just Brian, uh, Roger, and a guy called and Tim. the dentist. Roger's a dentist. The drummer was really? a dental student. Yeah. Wow. So. Smile. Is that why they called Smile? Because of the. Oh, maybe. I'm not sure. Never, I didn't maybe see them did. much more obvious. <laughs> Freddie's got a very famous smile, I think you'll find. That man who's not yet in the band. <laughs> what about the dentist? Oh, yeah. So, in a classic uh, Beatles situation, Tim left Smile. To join the Beatles. To go join a band called. Humpy Bong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, the right no, no, no. I mean, Smile was bad enough, but you left that for hum- Humpy Bong. <laughs> <laughs> well, please tell me that they went on to become like Led Zeppelin or something. He needs this. <laughs> this, is, this is a tragic story. He needs this one. Please, please, please. Humpy Bong. <laughs> That I was think humping. I know. What, I think I know the other decision here. Laters, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> bong on, boys. Yeah, that was Humpy Bong with their hit, humping and bonging all night. <laughs> humpy Bong. I'd love to know the story behind the name. Yeah, I'd it's... love to hear some Humpy Bong. Um, so after Tim left, uh, Freddie Mercury joined, uh, and at this stage, it's just Freddie, Brian, and Roger. Here's a little fun fact. So Tim, the one who left to join Humpy Bong, uh, Humpy Bong eventually split up. He no. went He went on to join another couple of bands and played music for a little while. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> he did not join Led Zeppelin. He finally left music in the late 70s to concentrate on a flourishing business as a freelance animator and model maker. His work includes Thomas the Tank Engine. Wow. So he did work with the Beatle. True, yes. <laughs> so he was fine. He did well. He did well. Probably lived a better life than a rock and roll life. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's hear. Let's hear how Freddie's life went. Yeah, there's only there's only ways up. Yes. And then the only down. way is up. Not one of their songs. I was going to say, mm. I don't recognise that Humpy Bong classic. <laughs> so the following year, 1971, Smile were joined by bassist John Deacon. Uh, Freddie encouraged the band name change to Queen. Despite initial reservations from the other band members and their management, everyone was like, ooh, mm, don't know about that. We prefer Smile. <laughs> yeah, Smile is really good. Um, so this is a, a quote from Freddie about the name Queen because it's very regal, obviously, and, and that sounds splendid. Oh, yeah, I guess it is a bit regal. <laughs> oh, hang on. Queen has two meanings. And when I say two, I mean One is one. the band Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I guess in some ways didn't even exist at that stage. Yeah, so it was just the regal one. Right. Well, as he goes on to say, it's a strong name, very universal and immediate. I was certainly aware of the gay connotations, but that was just one facet of it. So it doesn't, you know, anyway. And it's regal. And it's regal, obviously, he says. Because um, that's, yeah, isn't the Queen's name? The. The, that's right. That's her first name. Yeah. So the Humpy Bong's also quite a regal name. <laughs> 50% regal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
We fuck. We should have been the do go on. Fuck. Oh, one quarter regal. Oh, I feel like an idiot. Um. So Queen's got uh gay connotations. Yes. See an openly gay man at this time. You did mention a girlfriend before. No, he's not at this time. Right, but he was aware aware of the connotations. Yes. When hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um. So at about this same time, sort of as they're rebranding into Queen, uh, this is when he changed his surname to Mercury. So now he is in full Freddie Mercury oh, flight. Amazing name. So good. He also used his uh, graphics, graphic design skills to design the Queen logo called the Queen Crest uh, shortly before the re- release of the band's first album. The logo combines the zodiac signs of all four members, so it has two lions for Leo because that's Deacon and Taylor, a crab for Cancer, and two fairies for Virgo. We're Virgos. Those be little fairies. Are we fairies? It's not fairies, but it's, it's a virgin. We're a virgin woman. Yeah. Well, fa- well, fairies. What is a fairy if not a virgin woman? Thank you, Matthew. I take it back. There's also a crown inside the queue, and the whole logo is overshadowed by an enormous phoenix. And the whole symbol bears a. Uh, Seems like there's a lot going there's, on. There's a lot no, going on. I don't think I don't know if I know the Queen Crest. It's... I have it here. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon I would have oh, okay. must have seen it, but yeah, you know it. You know it from like the yeah, oh, yes. right. It does. All... It does look like a, a country's coat of well, arms. Well, that's it. Yeah, it has a. It has quite a um, passing resemblance to the royal coat of arms of the of the United Kingdom. Um, but it 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 represents each member of the band. Right. Um, in nineteen seventy three, Queen signed a deal with uh, Trident and EMI as their sort of managers. By July of that year, they released their debut album, an effort influenced by heavy metal and progressive rock. The album was very well received by critics. Gordon Fletcher of Rolling Stone called it superb, and Chicago's Daily Herald called it. An above average debut. <laughs> Whoa. I'd probably put the superb review bigger on my poster yeah. and then above average I'd make that a little bit smaller. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, you, actually, you didn't do graphic design, did you? So Probably a bit more on brand for me to make it ab- above average. Yeah. It's more fun. <laughs> yeah. What, what year is this now? This is, that... is 1973. 73, right. Yeah. That's cool. So he's in his mid-20s, ready this yeah. time? 47 was his birth, was it? Yeah, that's right. Um, Already got an album out. Nice. He's doing pretty well. Um, however, even the critics uh, you know, received it really well. It, it drew like not a great or not a huge mainstream uh, attention. The lead single was Keep Yourself Alive and it sold quite poorly. Um, their second LP, which was Queen 2, so the first one's called Queen, second one's called Queen 2. Back, Back in, in the, the habit. habit. <laughs> <laughs> was released the following year, which is, like, quite a quick turnaround. Oh, for sure. So it's in 1974, second album's out, features... Uh... Also, back in those days, it's not like you can just plug your guitar into a laptop. Record. Yeah. Like, it's, it's an but effort. They, they did smash albums out. The Beatles released so many in there. Short yeah. That's true, yeah. That, it's, it's crazy when you find out that the Beatles were not around for a long period of time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they, they bring out the second album, uh, and it's got that iconic image taken by a photographer called Mick Rock. Fucking amazing name. Um, for Rock. Mick sure. for Rock. Yeah. Um, of the four of them there. And that photo um, was the basis for the Bohemian Rhapsody video the following year. Um, the album reached number five on the British album chart and became the first Queen album to chart in the UK. Um, Seven Seas of Rye reached number 10 in the UK, giving the band their first hit. 
I don't know if I know that song. Oh, man, it's great. Really good piano intro. Yeah, right. What's it called? Seven Seas of Rye. Seven Seas of Rye. Right. I'm a very casual Queen fan. I, I had the My parents would have had the Queen Greatest Hits when I was yeah, a kid. That would be my... Um... So if it's on that, I know it. It is. Oh, okay. All right, I know it. Know it well. Love it. <laughs> you probably, you'll know it when you hear it because it is one, uh, that album, the, the Greatest Hits, would be my introduction to Queen, you know, as a kid. Yeah. I probably know a little bit more now, but I still don't know all of it, obviously, but it's a good one. And you said the Bohemian Rhapsody film clip was the following year. Is that from that album or a separate release? Yeah, it's from that album. Oh, so um, that, on their second album. Actually, they... no, I beg you, uh, beg your pardon. It's on the... The following year, their third album, which I'll get to in a second. And I'll wow. talk more about that video as well. Um, uh, the album is the first real testament to the band's distinctive layered sound and features long, complex instrumental passages, fantasy-themed lyrics, and musical virtuosity. Um, so in 1974, Sheer Heart Attack reached number two in the United Kingdom, sold well throughout Europe, and went gold in the U.S., it gave the band their first real experience with international success. So they are killing it at this point. They're doing really, really well. Um, and at this point they start to move away from progressive tendencies of their first two releases with more radio-friendly songs, like they're kind of trying to, um, I don't know, just be a bit more commercially um, available. So Sheer Heart Attack introduced a new sound and melody pattern that would be refined on their next album called A Night at the Opera. Right. So that's a big, big famous one. Right. Yeah. Um, so A Night at the Opera came out in late 1975, uh, taking its name from a popular Marx Brothers movie. At the time, it was the most expensive album ever produced. I couldn't find a dollar figure on that and I couldn't find what's surpassed it. But I could just, I found in several different places it said it was the most expensive album ever produced at the time. And it's like, how, how much? Right. I think <laughs> the most expensive it. one now would be Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy, that one that took him like 18 years. Yeah. And Oof. They spent millions of dollars on it. And then when it finally came out, it was like, oh, is that what you got? Cool. I, would, it would, it, I imagine it would have been a hit if they released it right on the back yeah, of yeah. one of those. The What was the album before that? Double. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Use Your Illusion or something like that? Yeah. I think so. Um, so this is the album that Bohemian Rhapsody was on, uh, which was number one in the UK for nine weeks. It's still the third best-selling single of all time in the UK. Wow. Surpassed only by Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Elton John's Candle, Candle in the Wind. In the wind. Um, it's the best-selling commercial single in the UK. So, yeah, huge. The Bohemian Rhapsody video is generally considered to be the first true music video ever produced because before that, bands would make like short promotional films or videos of songs before, but they were usually made specifically to go onto a certain TV show. Um, so like they'd be talking about this album and then they'd play this this clip. Um, uh, so like Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the video was quite unique um, and Rolling Stones was, uh, this is in an article, is talking about the impact of Bohemian Rhapsody. It says, its influence cannot be overstated, practically inventing the music video seven years before MTV went on the air. So it's kind of a first, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Mm. Hey, Jess, did you talk at all about um, um, when they toured Australia? 
I was my next sentence is the band's A Night at the Opera Tour began in November 1975 and covered Europe, the United States, Japan, and Australia. Yeah, cool. I think they they the story that I and I I don't I've never looked this up or anything, but I think they played in Sunbury early on before they were big, ah. which is like Sunbury is like I think kind of jokingly, kind of seriously referred to as sort of sort of like. Australia's Woodstock. Woodstock, yeah. It was a big festival out in the outer suburbs of Melbourne. And they they were on before, I think they were on maybe second last, as I understand it, before, um, what's the guy's name? He's saying, Billy most, Thorpe? Yeah, Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Yeah, I remember my dad would say, yeah, I went to, went to what's it called again? Sunbury. Sunbury, yeah. Saw Thorpey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, did you see Queen? I didn't know they were there. I've got to call him after this. And yeah, he, yeah. So Thorpey, I think, was sort of headlining, and Queen were on before. And and the way it was told to me, I think by an uncle who maybe was there, was the crowd basically they were quite aggro while Queen were on, going, "Get Thorpey up! We want Thorpey!" <laughs> oh, no. oh my god, <laughs> and that's they, crazy. And then they became huge. Yeah. And they would have already, like, you can't imagine that they would ever would have been that far off what they'd become. Yeah, right, if you're second, you know, second headliner. Yeah. And that sounds like they very quickly were. Yeah, like, doing first well. album was successful. But Thorpey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing because it's like the Thorpey thing obviously didn't carry over into our, our time, but he was obviously massive in Australia yeah. at the time, yeah. At the time, yeah, in the 70s. Yeah, isn't that insane? Loudest band in Australia, I think they sort the thousands of We'll damage your hearing more than any other band. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Or your money back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, uh, they were touring all over the world. And Freddie was very well known for his live performances. He had a highly theatrical style that often evoked a great deal of participation from the crowd. A bit of crowd work. No, not crowd work, but like... <laughs> Where are you Where, from? <laughs> what do you do? Banker? Oh, you're shit. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. And, uh... <laughs> Here's another song. <laughs> a two, three, four. <laughs> this song's called This Guy's a Wanker Banker. <laughs> bit of improv. Yeah. Rhymes, which means it's funny. All right, I'm going to need a uh, an occupation, a place, and a wacky name. All Banker. Right. Bank. Mr. Banks. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Um, he was uh, he was described as a performer out to tease, shock, and ultimately That's charm. That's why uh, you're a banker. Uh. Classic yeah. tease. Classic tease. He's just a bully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You say tease. I say real piece of shit. <laughs> tease, shock, and ultimately charm his audience with various extravagant versions of himself. Um, you're a dickhead. Nah, you're all right. Good on you, <laughs> Let's give this guy a round of applause. <laughs> Nah, just joke about it. Hey, you're all right, mate. Yeah. All right, here's a free t shirt. I've got a quote here from a guy uh, called David Bowie. Ooh. Familiar? We've done a report on him. The David Bowie? The David Bowie. Is that the stage name of Johnny Cash? Yes. Um, this is David Bowie talking about Freddie. He says, Freddie took it further than the rest. He took it over the edge. And of course, I always admired a man who would <laughs> who wears tights. Uh, I only saw him in concert once, and as I say, he was definitely a man who could hold an audience in the palm of his hand. Wow, we only saw him once. For some reason, Don't I they performed together. Yeah, what yeah. If they they had a, a hit together. Huge hit. Yep. Maybe or maybe 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 not. he was like a real diva, and he would just stay backstage. Also, I love the fact that David Bowie is saying that someone 
took it over the edge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ziggy Stardust, the Thin White Duke. These are characters he created. Yeah. And he's like, Whoa, Freddy was wacky. Whoa. Right. I took it too far. Yeah, back off. Back it off. I've got you at about a, an 11. I need you about a 7, please. <laughs> <laughs> Brian May uh, later wrote that uh, Freddy could make, it was a quote, he says, the last person at the back of the furthest stand in a stadium feel that he was connected. <laughs> Yeah, Brian, how many people in the back of the stand have you spoken to, Brian, you piece of work? Do you know how he knew that? Because he's like, you there, what's your name? (laughs) No, not you. Not you. Not you. Right at the back. Right at the back. Back The furthest possible stand. Back row. Back row. Terrible haircut. Yeah, you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking to you. Oh, it feels like he's talking to me. Okay, that's uh, that's something we can do at our future live shows. Great. Yeah, you connect with the back. Yeah, you think you're safe in the back row. We uh, we will tease you. I'm going to get you. Don't have an ordinary haircut down the back. <laughs> can we get headset mics so I can go roaming through the crowd? Like so, Madonna-style so microphones. Do, yeah, like, like Madonna roams robe, through the crowd. Just crowd work. Just picking on people. Yeah. Like a virgin. Yeah, you look like one. <laughs> <laughs> she high-fives everyone yeah. around. All those pers- that person's friends. They're like, oh. oh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Madge. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, one of the greatest live performances in history was Queen's performance at Live Aid in 1985. Have you ever seen footage of this? That it's- one where he gets that. Yes. Oh, and he's wearing like that, that. weird, the it's out not- clap. The, it's, it's no, the cl- they're, they're pointing and they're not even doing, it's not We Will Rock You. Yeah, well, do that later. Radio Gaga. Radio Gaga. Yeah. He's wearing that sweet gold jacket and he's and got the mic on mic? the stand. Yeah, with that. It's like no, a half stand. That's 86. Really? Oh. So Live 885, yes, he does have the um, the broken mic stand because originally he was like singing live at a show one time and the mic stand broke off the heavy bass of the stand and he kept that for the, like the rest right. of his shows. I always wonder. I'm like. They did it differently back then. <laughs> Hadn't quite figured out full mic stands yet, or <laughs> or you could just grab the mic. Yeah, and he did that on purpose because he like he could sort of play with it quite a bit. Um, Not like Farnsy, though. Now that's a guy who can work a mic stand. Anyway, topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean the videos of when he tries to flip it and he fucks it? He always he loved to flip it. He Sometimes it. it just crashes. I think at the Logies last year. Threw it up, threw up the mic stand. He loves to flip it, loves to tr- like throw it in the air and then try and gra- grab it. Yeah. Missed it. <laughs> at the Logies. You only get one shot of that, Johnny. <laughs> you only get one oh, shot of the yeah. Logies. You will not be invited back. <laughs> <laughs> this must sound like absolute gibberish to overseas listeners. Farnsy, Logies. No, I don't Logies. know who John Farnham is and the Logies. Oh, I mean, come on. He just no, Dave, please put on the loudest jacket in the world. <laughs> Sorry, it just got chilly in here. It's very colourful. Ah, oh, Dave's just getting dressed, everyone. It's a bit, it's a bit garish. He's getting into a uh, in a sleeping bag. I, t- I take my jackets over the edge. The guitarist from you two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm picking between my jackets and the guitarist from you two, I take my jackets. Yeah, every time. <laughs> every time. Oh, so my. we're talking Live Aid in 1985. Uh, a critic did a retrospective review of Live Aid in 2005 and wrote this. Those who compile lists of great rock frontmen and award the top spots to Mick Jagger, Robert Plant, etc., are all guilty of a terrible oversight. Freddie, as evidenced by his Live Aid performance, was easily the most godlike of them all. And I've watched 
You can watch it all on YouTube. It's 20 minutes of pure magic. It is so good. I watched it earlier today because I was like, all right, well, we'll see how good it is. And no, I was expecting to watch like a couple of minutes of it and I watched the whole thing. He's so engaging. He's so much fun to watch. And his voice is incredible live. And this is back in the day before in-ears where they could like hear themselves better. He's just that good. Oh, he's... Yeah, it's like an outdoor stadium. It's and it's pretty tough. Fucking packed. There's like seventy two thousand people there or something like that. It was insane. Is that the first one or the second one when he does the call and response thing? He I think he did that at quite a few shows. The one you're thinking of is nineteen eighty six, because I will mention that again later as well. Oh. Yeah. Wonder if it's around nineteen eighty six. It isn't. Fuck. Twist <laughs> Love it. It isn't. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm on my toes and it hurts. Well, stay up there. Okay. That's Ow. pirouetting. Ow. I don't God. care. I'm in the second position. Don't care. Which, as we know, is... Doggy. <laughs> doggy. <laughs> I'm on my tippy toes doing doggy. This is weird. <laughs> feels right. You always go into doggy second. Anyway... <laughs> So I skipping a skipping a dog. <laughs> well, what other order do you do? Never mind. <laughs> oh dear! All right, let's start from the beginning. Number one, <laughs> normal. <laughs> Number two, reverse normal. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, uh, so what Matt was talking about before was the audience clapping along to Radio Gaga because it was based on the video, the um, uh, music video for Radio Gaga. It had like this clap, clap, and then it sort of like all put their fists out in the air. So everyone in the crowd is doing that. And this is Brian May talking about seeing that in the crowd. He's like, I'd never seen anything like that in my life, and it wasn't calculated either. We understood our audience and played to them, but this is one of those weird accidents because of the music video. I remember thinking, oh, great, they've picked it up. And then I thought, hang on, this isn't a queen audience. This is a general audience who have bought tickets before they even knew we were on the bill, and they did it. How did they know? Nobody told them to do it. So everybody in the crowd knew. That's pretty cool. He does understand how mob mentality works, right? <laughs> God, you are just shitting all over anything <laughs> joyful today. What? No, it is. No, the Brian May is right. They all just magically figured it out individually. <laughs> the, no, the real lesson there is that it's not just Queen fans. Everyone's a Queen fan. Yeah. Huh? Thank you, David. Uh, yeah. Matt, leaf uh, out of Dave's book, please. Please. Thank you. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Remember to give that leaf back. <laughs> um, over the course of his career, Freddie performed an estimated 700 concerts in countries all around the world with Queen. Um, I've touched on the success of Queen. I think there's obviously a lot more detail that could go into that too. But I want to look at Freddie as a person as well. Mm. Okay. Let's have a look at him. It's about Freddie Mercury and Queen. Yeah. Um, so in addition to his work with Queen, he also put out two solo albums, several singles as well. Um, his two full albums outside the band were Mr. Bad Guy, love it, which came out in 1985. That is so him. <laughs> a bad guy. Mm. Such a mister. <laughs> and Barcelona, which came out three years later in 1988. Barcelona bad boy. Barcelona bad boy. Barcelona. Barcelona. Was it uh, successful? Because I don't think I've ever heard a solo Freddie song. 
Well, both of them like were still pretty well received, obviously not as successful as Queen's music. And he also did a lot of like collaborating with other people on different things. So he did a lot of work in music in general, but obviously Queen was like the main thing that he was recognised for. Um, uh, in the early 70s, he had a long-term relationship with Mary Austin, who I mentioned briefly earlier. They lived together for several years in West Kensington in London. But by the mid-70s, Freddie was having an affair with a male American record executive. And at the end of 1976, he told Mary about the affair and his sexuality, which ended their romantic relationship. But the sweetest part is that it didn't end their friendship. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> He moved out of their, their place that they shared. He moved into a flat by himself and he bought Mary one nearby as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> what a nice yeah, guy. Yeah. My ex-boyfriend did not buy me property. <clears throat> Mr. Nice Guy should have been his album. Yeah. Mm. Not know. your ex-boyfriend. No, God, no. He should have been Mr. Bad Boy. Yeah, Mr. Bad Boy you, you, well lied. Yeah. Yeah, because he travels. <laughs> He's not just a bad boy in Melbourne. Oh, no. He's a bad boy all over the place. He's got three different passports. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> um, uh, uh, f- yeah, so in, in 1985 in an interview, Freddie said, uh, he's talking about Mary, he said, all my lovers asked me why they couldn't replace Mary, but it's simply impossible. The only friend I've got is Mary and I don't want anybody else. To me, she was my common law wife. To me, it was a marriage. We believe in each other and that's enough for me. He also wrote several songs about uh, Mary, the most notable of which is Love of My Life. Right. Um, so there's a bit of specu- not speculation around his sexual orientation, but some say he hid it from the public while others would argue that he was very openly gay. Um, keep in mind that homosexual acts between adult males over the age of 21 had only been decriminalised in the UK in 1967. So it wasn't exactly the safest or most inclusive time to be gay. Do you think it's a coincidence that the year before they brought home the World Cup? Maybe. And then all of a sudden they said, you know, let's let people love. Yeah, because they were just like, they lined up. I actually think it might have been in relation to an event in Australia in 1966. Pray tell. Some sort of sporting sporting cup. Ah, sporting cup. Some sort of football. <laughs> Am I saying that right? <laughs> <laughs> That's another one of my favourite Warnicky <laughs> bits. Am I saying that right? Am I saying that like his, his eyes go really yeah. big and cute. Does great eye work. Thanks, well, you're not talking about the St. Kilda Saints 1966. Yes, I am. Breaking Premiership. <laughs> A great day. Change the world. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So... What are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, in 1992, John Marshall of Gay Times, amazing, didn't know that existed, I love it. Yeah, I've seen it at airports in the UK, yeah. Gay Times, um, he said the following, he said that Freddie was a scene queen, not afraid to publicly express his gayness, but unwilling to analyse or justify his lifestyle. It was as if Freddie Mercury was saying to the world, I am what I am, so what? And that in itself for some was a statement. <laughs> I kind of like that. It's like, he's not making a statement, which... Yeah. It's kind of a statement. His statement is no comment. I want a statement from him, so I'll take anything I can yeah. from him to be the statement. Yeah, that's the statement. Mm. Um, He's the statement. He is the statement. Yeah. Thank you, Freddie. Um, something that was surprising to a lot of people was that despite his onstage flamboyant and extravagant personality, Freddie was actually quite shy and quiet, especially around people he didn't know all that well. Um you know, it's something I can relate to mm. as a delicate flower myself. Yeah. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were just making some noises. Um, so I was just um, scatting Freddy style. Scar. Scarting. Sharding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just shouting. Freddy's Freddy stuff. Freddy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this is. Me. <laughs> Ooh, my God. <laughs> Not had that curry. Bit of follow through on that. <laughs> oh, no. Bit of B on that bottom. <laughs> Bit of bottom. <laughs> um. I was going to say this is a fun fact. It's not all that fun, but it's, I suppose, interesting. Um, <laughs> I suppose factual. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kurt, so I was just talking about how Freddie was like quite introverted and Kurt Cobain's suicide note mentions how he admired and envied the way Mercury seemed to love, relish, love, relish in the love and adoration from the crowd. Like he was, when he was on stage, he was like... On and he was having the best time. It was really engaging. He was like, he's a he's a delight to watch. It's so fun, right? But Kurt didn't feel that way when he was himself. Yeah, so he admired that in Freddie, but probably didn't feel like he could replicate it himself. Um, so after fans noticed Freddie's increasingly gaunt appearance uh, in 1988, the media reported that Mercury was seriously ill with AIDS frequently being mentioned as a likely illness. Uh, he flatly denied this, insisting he was merely exhausted, too busy to provide interviews. Also, he didn't do a lot of interviews anyway because he was quite shy, um, but he was just like, no, I'm just tired. Like, I'm just really burnt out. We tour a lot. Um, he had, in fact, been diagnosed as HIV positive in April of 1987, but he didn't make his illness public and denied that anything was wrong. Um, but despite the denials, the British press pursued... Uh, and there were rampant rumours over the next few years fueled by uh, his increasingly gaunt appearance. He just got really, really thin and quite grey. And, um, and also because of Queen's absence from touring uh, and reports from former lovers to various tabloid journals. Um, so, yeah, by 1990, so over, over a couple of years, rumours about his health were rife. They were everywhere. Uh, he kept his condition really private to protect those closest to him, um, but Brian May confirmed in an interview um, several years later in 93 that 
Freddie had told the band much earlier that he was sick, probably quite soon after he found out he told the band. But they all kept it quiet, which I think is quite nice too. Like Freddie didn't tell many people, but those that he did all protected him and all said, no, nah, he's not, he's fine. They weren't like, I will neither confirm nor <laughs> deny. <laughs> I will not make a statement. And that is my statement. <laughs> Ooh. What does that mean? Choosing not to make a statement <laughs> was for some the statement mm. they needed. Um, so the music video for These Are The Days Of Our Lives features a very thin and sick-looking Freddie in what are his final scenes in front of the camera. The rest of the band were basically almost on call. They were ready to record whenever Freddie felt able to come into the studio. It was like an hour or two at a time, whenever he felt like he could. Um, And Brian May said he just kept saying, write me more, write me stuff. I want to just sing. I want to sing this and do this, and uh, when I'm gone you can finish it. Like he was, he was, uh, he was kind of fearless. Um, and just a guy called Justin Shirley Smith, who was the assistant engineer uh, for those last um, recording sessions, said, "This is hard to explain to people, but it wasn't sad. It was very happy. Freddie was one of the funniest people I've ever encountered. I was laughing most of the time with him. Freddie was saying, uh, 'I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to do this.' And he just wanted to get on with the with the music, which I want to just put out to you guys now that I would have a very uh, the opposite thought if I ever – I mean, I've got a cold right now and I thought about just cancelling the whole show, <laughs> not just the recording but just like throwing in the towel. Right, it's over. It's We're done. If it was me, I'd come out and say, come on, let's just – I'll just say words. You can finish it later. <laughs> you can edit it together later. Hello. Um, goodbye. Fred. <laughs> I've got a great imagination. Jeremiah John. J- jigsaw puzzles. 79. <laughs> Hello again. <laughs> where have I been? Well, hey, where's all the questions coming about? <laughs> it's a very defensive final recording. <laughs> Back off. No, I, I'm sorry. Hey, you're all right. <laughs> I always go through all the, fa- all the stages of grieving. <laughs> yeah. Got acceptance. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that report. If anyone wants to chop that into a report. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where are all these questions coming about? <laughs> anyway, so they're continuing to work. They're recording. Um, in uh, June of 91, Freddie re- uh, retired to his home in Kensington and uh, Mary, his, uh, his former lover, visited him all the time. She helped look after him. Um as his health sort of deteriorated, his partner, a guy called Jim Hutton, who was also tested HIV positive in 1990, lived with Mercury for the last six years of his life and nursed him during his illness. Um, near the end of his life, Mercury was starting to lose his sight. He deteriorated to the point where he couldn't get out of bed. And due to this condition, he kind of decided to hasten it along a little bit. He stopped taking his medication and just took painkillers. Um. So that was in uh, June of 91. By November of 91, he called their manager, Queen's manager, Jim Beach. Um, he said, come, he brought him over to his home and he made a public statement that was released the following day. And this is the statement that Freddie made. He said, following the enormous conjecture in the press over the last two weeks, I wish to confirm that I've been tested HIV positive and have AIDS. I felt it correct to keep this information private to date 
uh, to date to protect the privacy of those around me. However, the time has come now for my friends and fans around the world to know the truth, and I hope that everyone will join with me, my doctors and all those worldwide in the fight against this terrible disease. My privacy has always been very special to me, and I'm famous for my lack of interviews. Please understand this policy will continue. So he's like, I'm not going to be talking about it. Because other people had sort of argued that, or have argued since, that if he had come out about it much sooner, he could have been a really powerful voice in, like, uh, raising awareness and, and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, But I think in that statement it kind of makes sense because he was very private then it makes sense why he didn't say anything because it was just sort of he wanted to protect the people around him and I don't know, I kind of... Yeah, yeah I that's mean, a it's a very, very personal choice. Of course. Yeah, totally you can't be like, like pressure. Uh, oh, he should have said something. Selfish. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, it's Sounds up like to the individual. He's the one dying. Yeah, he should be able to deal with that in any way yeah. that he wants to. He knows he's going to die. And he wants to do that privately and keep working. Yeah, if you want to say something, then amazing. But, then, yeah, great. But if you want to... Sh- Shut the door and you know, dial in your bedroom. That's also that's fine too. I'm just because I, I was alive then. You guys were barely alive then, and I've got. A, I I don't know if I can remember him dying, but I do remember Bohemian Rhapsody being a hit. Mm. And I've just looked it up, and I reckon I was thinking, would it have been like a like jump back into the charts because he died, and it was Wayne's World in Australia. Yeah. It was top five in 1991. Which I don't know if that's Wayne's World as well. Uh, Wayne's World's ninety two. Right, I've, I've got that later. Yes, yeah, so that's that's. There I... was a huge resurgence in the US because he was the the Queen had kind of lost. Uh, they had, they was, always had a following in the US, but it it dwindled. Yeah, and they kind of stopped touring there too. Um, and then once Freddie died, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, uh, there was like a big jump, oh, and I talk about it literally in probably another couple of minutes. I, I, re- I remember hearing, I don't know if this is true or not, but you know the film clip they made for what is the song called I Want to Break Free or Break mm-hmm. Free or something like that? And it's him in drag. Yep. Vacuuming. They're all in drag. Oh, they're all in drag. And I, I, on some rock documentary I saw a while back, apparently that um, hurt their popularity in America with the conservative sort of yeah. Bible Belt regions. I don't know if that's 100% true or I not. think that's true. I think it was, but like they weren't even, they were just being silly. Like they just, they didn't give a fuck really. They were yeah. just like, no, oh, this is funny. Yeah. I and mean, Freddy it's was kind like, of an iconic yeah. look, right? Doesn't Bart dress like that? Like yeah, Fred in that he's got the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. 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 Like it's a real iconic outfit. On the evening of the 24th of November, just over 24 hours after issuing that statement, Freddie Mercury died at the age of 45 at his home in Kensington. The official cause of death was bronchial pneumonia resulting from AIDS. Um, Jim Hutton, his partner of quite a long time, was present at his bedside when he died, and Hutton said Mercury died wearing the wedding band that Hutton had given given him. There are lots of other people around as well. Right, so he gave that he must have known that it was. He must he have felt that it was. Yeah, he, he wasn't. gave a statement like twenty four hours beforehand. Amazing. Yeah. Um, his funeral service was three days later on the 27th of November and was attended by his family and 35 of his close friends, including the remaining members of Queen and Elton John. Um, his coffin was carried out of the chapel to Take My Hand, Precious Lord, and You've Got a Friend by Aretha Franklin, who only just passed away very recently as well. Um, but that was at, at Freddie's request. He wanted that. He wanted Aretha Franklin played. Um, 
also in accordance with his wishes, Mary Austin took possession of his cremated remains and buried them in an undisclosed location. The whereabouts of his ashes are believed to be known only to Mary Austin, who has stated that she will never reveal where she's buried him. Wow. Which is pretty amazing. Their friendship seems really incredible. Um, In his will, he left his London home to her uh, rather than his partner, Jim, saying to her, you would have been my wife and it would have been yours anyway. He also left her the vast majority of his wealth and recording royalties. Wow, she's doing doing very well. She's doing very well. Um, He left £500,000 to his chef, £500,000 to his personal assistant, £100,000 to his driver, and 500000 to Jim Hutton. His partner got the same amount as his <laughs> chef and his PA. <laughs> Mary gets the house. And the partner had been there for the last and six ongoing. years. He, he'd been living with him for the last six. Looking after him. and also Looking after him. I'm, I think they'd been together for a while before that as well. And also dying himself. Yes. Although he only died in 2010. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was HIV positive, but that doesn't mean AIDS. Right, no, it develops into AIDS. Mm. So he was HIV positive. He died in 2010. So Mary's got the house. She still lives there. It's the Garden Lodge in Kensington with her family. Um, the outer walls of Garden Lodge became a shrine to Freddie following his death, with mourners paying tribute by covering the walls in graffiti messages. Um, three years after his death, Time Out magazine reported, since Freddie's death, the wall outside the house has become London's biggest rock and roll shrine, and fans still go there to pay their respects. So she, yeah, isn't that amazing? We should go there. We should definitely go there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty amazing. Like their, I like their, I like that relationship and that it almost feels like, I mean, I mean, fame must be such a strange thing to go through. And if, I mean, obviously we have an idea, but. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, we. <laughs> but the people that are like. I'm... There before. I can still walk down the street, okay, Bob. You're the one who has to go out yeah. shielded by big um, sunnies, big sunnies, and my uh, my large burly security yeah. guards. Yeah, Rocco and Dave. This Dave. He's... Yeah, I protect you. Yeah, he's got with little, my life. He's got a little drone. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots little pew 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 if somebody gets too close to me. Yeah, mainly, you know. Kids, toddlers, and yeah. dogs. <laughs> yeah, who are just as big as fans. Yeah, yeah. But also... big in the in the dog community. <laughs> She's done a lot for them. Yeah, there's a dog named Bop. It's true. So on Twitter, there's a dog named Bop. Um, it's a cat named Warnock. A dog called Bop. And, and called fuck Matt. you, Matt. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt can go fuck himself. Sorry, Matt. Now, nah, fair enough. Um, just a little bit about his legacy. So as you kind of touched on before, Matt, in the US, Queen's popularity had lagged in the 80s, um, but sales of Queen albums went up dramatically in 1992, the year following his death. Um, And the movie Wayne's World, which featured Bohemian Rhapsody, also came out in 92. So that's given it a bit of a boost as well. Uh, According to the Recording Industry Association of America, Queen has sold 34.5 million albums. Apples. (laughs) Wow. Do you get one free with every album? (laughs) 34.5 million albums in the US uh, by 2004, which is about half of which have been sold since Freddie's death in 1991. So a huge gap, a huge boost at the end there. Um, 
Estimates estimates of Queen's total worldwide record sales to date have been set as high as three hundred million. And how many apples? About three hundred million. Amazing. And one. Oh. Uh, Someone <laughs> accidentally got sent two. Yeah. And they didn't they were like, I'm not sending this back. <laughs> Gonna eat it. In the UK, Queen has now spent more collective weeks on the UK album charts than any other musical act, including the Beatles. And Queen's greatest hits is the best selling album of all time in the UK. Um, there are several statues and memorials of Freddie all over the world, including a 10-foot-tall statue, statue in Switzerland where people still gather every year on the first weekend of September to celebrate. Did he have a connection? Yeah, I think he um, he rented a place there for a while. I think that's where he wrote quite a bit of music. Oh, right, okay. So it's in a specific area that he spent quite a bit of time. Um, at the closing ceremony of the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, Queen performed We Will Rock You with Jessie J performing the vocals. However, before they started, a giant screen on stage showed Freddie's call and response routine. Matt, give us an example of Freddie's call and response. Yep, perfect. They showed Freddie doing that. <laughs> That's beautiful. <gasps> he said your name a lot. Bebe <laughs> <laughs> Um so they had yeah, this screen of Freddie doing that from the nineteen eighty from a nineteen eighty six Wembley Stadium show. That's one where he's wearing the gold jacket. And the audience at the closing ceremony were responding to like this giant screen of Freddie doing it. It was really cool. That is. And you know how I feel about opening and closing ceremonies of Olympics. Mm. Fondly. Fondly. Uh, <laughs> we were all thinking it. Yeah. I was about to say that before you did, but. Uh, <laughs> um, just to finish off as well, Brian May announced in uh, an interview in September of 2010 that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to be playing Freddie Mercury. I feel like he would have been a great Freddie. In a film. Totally. Just because of the resemblance. So Time magazine also commented on the uh, resemblance, but also singing ability. Not that I, I don't, I don't know that I've heard Sasha Baron Cohen sing. But... Have you seen Madagascar? Oh my god, of course! I, I like to move it, move it. <laughs> I think he's also in um, what's that? Victor Hugo, uh, Les Mis, the film adaptation. Oh shit, he is too, isn't he? Yeah. Which I haven't seen, not being a musical goer, but I believe he had a cameo, or at least a cameo. As well as Rusty and Huge, were both in there as well, weren't they? Yep. Was, was Rusty in there? I think Rusty yeah, Rusty's in there. Oh, he's in there. <laughs> My mate. Your yeah. mate. Um, I was so, a retreated Bob. So, he's a retreated quick... Bob. I've retreated. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to retreat her to a nice meal. I haven't really got my head around this Twitter game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I retreated Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Just did my best tweet ever 600 retreats. <laughs> Yeah. I met Good. 600 people run away from the screen. That's how disgusted they were with what I wrote. God bless. I'm edgy. God save the Queen. God look after New Zealand. And God retreat Australia. <laughs> Bloody hell. All right. I'm Russell Crowe. What does he think retreat means? Wait, wait, wait. I don't understand the question. <laughs> okay. Sorry, love. Wouldn't you reckon he'd say love? Yeah, I reckon he might. And I'd hate it. <laughs> All right, love. Oh, yuck, Rusty. 
No, thanks. No, thanks, Rusty. Um, anyway, so Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, filming was planned to begin sometime in 2011. Weirdly, though, in 2013, Sasha Baron Cohen dropped out. So I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think they'd filmed or maybe they'd done a little bit. I don't know. Um, he dropped out due to creative differences with the members of Queen. Oh. Didn't get along with Queen. Um, so then in December of 2013, it was announced that Ben Wishaw, best known for playing Q in, James, in the James Bond films, had been chosen to replace Sasha Baron Cohen as Freddie Mercury. Not bad. Um, but then he also dropped out. Right, because he's quite nerdy. But I suppose that's the look in James Bond. Maybe he's less nerdy looking. Yeah. If he's not dressed as Q. Yeah, true. <laughs> Fair enough. With floppy hair and big yeah. glasses. Um, so then on the 4th of November 2016, it was announced that the film was now backed by 20th Century Fox uh, and shooting was set to begin in early 2017. And Freddie will now be played by uh, Rami Malek. And at this stage, it's set to come out in the next couple of months. It's been quite a process. Yeah, can't watch the trailer for it. Yeah, he's Look, he's Mr. Roboto, right? Or something like that. Miss, what's, his, what's that show? Mr. Robot. That's the guy who plays him. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Am I saying that wrong? <laughs> you guys are looking at me look, no like I've lost my mind. Domo arigato, Mr. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Is that wrong? I don't know. Oh, I think that's right. Anyway, I think the guy from Mr. Robot is play, plays Freddy. Okay. And I'm pretty sure Mike Myers plays a British or a Scottish exec or something. Oh, it? it's always good. Oh, he's back. It's always good when he does that. So that, gentleman is my report. On Freddie Mercury. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Rami Malek is Mr. Ro- in Mr. Robot, the man actor. Mr. Roboto. I don't know what Mr. Robot is. Is that bad? Uh, it's a, it's a quite an acclaimed series. Right. Um, it's about a this guy who's like a sort of like a Mr. Robot type. Okay. Yeah. I know. get yeah. it. I mean, you've you've. Pretty much don't need to watch it now. Yeah, done. Sorted. You. Yeah. It's like about it's about Mr. Robot, so yeah. Sorry to, for the spoilers there. <laughs> oh, but just that was a great report. Thank you. What an amazing life. Yeah, yeah. really cool dude. I mean, like while I was while I was listening uh, while I was researching, sorry, I was just listening to a lot of Queen music and that was pretty cool. I enjoyed doing that. Queen is good. I'm I'm definitely gonna listen to some now. Maybe I'll go dive back into their back catalogue. Please. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear if uh, listeners, uh, obviously some are into him and them. Yeah. But that'd be interesting. And I, another thing I heard, where did I hear this? About um, about talking about Mike Myers and Wayne's World. He really had to fight against the um, studio, the film studio, to get Bohemian Rhapsody. And they wanted something more modern, maybe like Guns N' Roses or something. And they were saying, Queen, it's old. But it's interesting now, knowing now the time that it was yeah. soon after his death that maybe they would have. But they saw it as being like an old. Why? Why this song? It's like an old song, and he's like, "No, it's got to be this song." And supposedly he he fought hard for it, and obviously that's the most iconic decision, scene in the yeah. film. In the greatest film that's ever been. It's a very good film. It's one of my all time favorites. It's Le- so legit. Good. I, I love, love it. Film. No uh, disagreements from me. <laughs> Shout-outs to our friends at Mike Check and the uh, Mike Check Republic. The podcast about Mike Myers movies. Oh, sure. 
I think people know I mean, that. if you need to, yeah, if you need to spell it out because people don't know. Does I think that might mean it's time for the segment of the show called Fact, Quote, or Question. That's beautiful. Brought to you by our Patreon supporters. If you want to chip into our Patreon, if you listen every week, we put a lot of effort into the show with the reports all the stuff that we uh, we put out there. If you, uh, you reckon it's worth a buck or two when you listen every week, you can go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod and in exchange for you supporting the show, we'll give you some even more content. Yes. Some even more content. That's yeah, even, Dave, including... Dave talks even more gooder on the bonus episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, uh, we've, yeah, the, this month's bonus episodes have been very fun to do. I'm looking forward to So this week's <laughs> fact, quote, or question giver is Mr. Zach. Steinbacher. Ah, oh, Zach. Zach is a, been a supporter for a long time, Zach. Yes, legend. Uh, and the other thing that the fact, quote, or question segment um, it gives you the chance to offer either a fact, quote, or question for me to read out to Jess and Dave, but it also um, you get to give yourself your own title. And Zach has given himself the title of official fourth Do Go On member, Nick Mason's inaugural Patreon shout out. Complex title, <laughs> really uh, catchy there, Zach. <laughs> Flows I love off the tongue. It, yeah. I mean, if we had to put it into an acronym, I'd put. A, I'd make a little plaque, <laughs> just to remind yourself. Yeah. Uh, and he has offered a fact as a question, and here it is: a okay. fact as a question. Yes. What? Okay. Yep. Sorry. Just- the player who holds the record for reaching a thousand points in the NHL, the quickest, also has the record for being the second quickest. What? It's an amazing fact. Uh, NHL being the National Hockey League in um, North America. North America, yes. Uh, and he he said here, see if Dave or Jess know who it is. Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. Yes. Yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only hockey player yes. I know. I was going to say, if he's you'd a... asked me to name a follow-up player, I would have really <laughs> yeah, struggled. But the interesting thing is he is still the only man to reach 2,000 points. So cool. he's the fastest and only to get to the second thousand. Oh, that's very impressive. Oh, that is really cool. The only other player I know is uh, Ovechkin, the Russian guy that just uh, won with Bless the... you. <laughs> So fucking stupid. <laughs> you hate it so much. He hates you it. dumb fuck. <laughs> so I was just going through a bad cliche joke book here. Uh, I bless you. <laughs> to anything foreign. <laughs> it's very old school. It's such a dad joke. That was for oh, you, Zach. On. Else for Zach. Oh, oh, that's so good. Thank you, Zach. Thank you so much, Zach. The other thing we like to do at the end of the episodes is go through uh, some other of our patrons and giving them a bloody shout out. A shout out. Oh, yes. bless you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love it. You just got to get them. Also, can I can I tap out? Just one, just for one week of coming Ta- up with the thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, All right, Matt, come I'm on. tired. You and I. It's you and me, baby. Come on. All right. So the episode right. was about Queen. Yes. So what about like? Um, I mean, it could be band names. We've probably done that before. But what about? Um, we've done stage names before as well, haven't we? What about uh, call and response? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, great. Well, it could be, so, I mean, you know, pretty wide brief that, but Uh so what, if they were on stage, what would be their call and response? (laughs) Okay, and then we'll act it out. Yeah. All right. Love it. Let's give this a crack. Uh, I'd love to thank from Parker in what I believe to be Colorado, Co. Oh, yeah, baby. In the United States of America, Alexandra. Kosminski. Bless you. <laughs> bless you. Bless you. <laughs> is that the call and response? Is that where you're going to be yeah. for Alexandra? Bless you. Bless you. That's, that's really nice. That's offering... A blessing. Oh, it's, a offering a blessing. it's a religious uh, ceremony. Oh, I mean, nice. that's what they said. Queen's concerts were like religious ceremonies. Uh, that's what I call church. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Um, Thank they, you, Alexandra. Great name. Alexandra. Kosminski. Bless I like that you. quite a lot. <laughs> <Bless> you. <laughs> uh, and I'd also love to thank from uh, British Columbia in Canada, Dustin Bullchild. Oh. Just a couple of cracking names straight off the bat. Child. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the call? Yeah, where's the response? And what's the response? Is it you just want it back at you? Or do you moo and we say child? Oh, that's good. That's I good. say moo, you say child. Moo. Child. child. Moo. Child. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> or I say moo, you say baby. Yeah. <laughs> moo. Moo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is this this has this proved my what, fault. Why Jess yeah. should always do this? What could you? I mean, it's not too late. Nah, let's keep going with this. This is great. Uh, thank you, Dustin from Brit- British Columbia. Do we say it's from Canada? Yeah. Man, that's so cool, these are BC. Mwah. That's Mwah. great. Thank Mwah. you. Mwah. Can I thank some people? Please, Jess. I would like to thank from... What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say, having a look there, Baduri? Being a Queensland town, that'd be Baduri. Or, Cl- or Clooney Station. I've lost it. Uh... Or is that too much information now? <laughs> Have I just given his full address now? <laughs> That's the place he lives at. Let's just say Baduri. In Queensland. Let's also say his postcode. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think. And a description. Five foot seven, black hair, big moustache. <laughs> but short, but he's got a big moustache. Patrick... Tully. Patrick Tully. Oh, from yeah. Outback, Queensland. Looking at these. Oh, this is an amazing place. Look at that. That's Aussie as. So he, I reckon his call and response will be, <laughs> Yeah. And then you go, oh, my God, civilization. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty sad concert, though, if his, yeah. <laughs> his response is an echo. <laughs> Well, Patrick Tully, that's so great that you're listening out there on uh, on that beautiful rural block. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm an idiot. Um, I'm not sorry. I would also <laughs> like to thank, uh, a bit closer to home, from Mount Martha here in Victoria, I'd like to thank David Brown. <sighs> David Brown, great name. Sounds like a man you could trust to read the weather. Is there a, maybe that's because there's a Darren? David Brown. <laughs> Darren Brown, can nah. I trust that guy? Isn't David Brown the one who wrote The Da Vinci Code? Oh. Dan Brown. Fuck. That's his dad. Yeah. David Brown's my dad's name. You can call me Dan Brown because that's my name. 
Mount Martha, I've played golf at Mount Martha a few times. Lovely. Okay, Lovely so, place. So his call response is four. <laughs> I also was about to yell four. Five. <laughs> That's the response. They, so they, just, did, they just keep counting. Yeah. Up as it four, five, six, seven. Stops at seven. Obviously. Obviously. Start again. Oh, no, that's annoying. Don't stop it at seven. Lucky seven. <sighs> David Brown, keep doing what you're doing because it's good stuff. That's great. Thank you, David. Now, I would like to thank from Smithfield, Pennsylvania, in the United States of America, Curtis Bloom. Ooh. Cousin of Orlando. Oh, definite relation. Definite <laughs> relation. Mm. Does sound like um, Kurt Bloom. Kurt Bloom. Bloom, obviously flowers, um, and the noise of a flower is, of course, Matt. <laughs> Puddle. <laughs> Puddle. Puddle. Petal. Okay. So he says pedal. We say puddle. Pedal. Puddle. Pedal. Puddle. Fuck. This that is, is the cute worst. As oh, shit. <laughs> dude, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, we I could not get those words back into my mouth. <laughs> Uh, pedal, puddle, power. Pedal, puddle, power to Curtis. <laughs> People are at home going, patrons are going, please don't be me this week. Please, yeah, don't please. Don't this is so stupid. That's great. And Good finally, stuff. I would like to thank all the way from Hamilton in New Zealand. Ah. Another beautiful spot. New Zealand. <laughs> I paused for Jess to say that. <laughs> she does it every time. Oh, I'm getting predictable. From Hamilton, it is Riley... Stokes. Oh, that's a good name. That is Riley a Stokes. bloody Which, good by name. the way, I said I was at work the other day at my day job and I was signing someone up to our loyalty program and I got a first name and last name and I went, oh, those are good names. <laughs> and she was she was quite taken aback. She didn't laugh or anything. She was like, thank you. <laughs> like she was quite flattered. Well, so she should be. So absolutely. But I was just like, oh, oh it's a weird thing to say to someone. I'd love to have, I'd love to have a complimentable name. Imagine that. I got I got a pretty plain Jane name. Mm. Do you ever say that when you sign people up to the loyalty program? Poor shit name. <laughs> Poor. Yeah. What a Poor. shocker. Sometimes I say, God, your parents were cruel, weren't they? <laughs> Matt Stewart. Riley Stokes. Riley Stokes. Great fire. Name. So the cla- one of the classic call and responses is, we don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker. Burn. Stoke the fire. Yep. Is that? Riley Stokes the fire. Yeah. Love it. I was going with Riley didn't start the fire. Riley didn't stoke the fire. Perfect. <laughs> what are we A little doing? less swearing in it. Ooh, it's a bit Sorry. crass, that first one. When I think of Riley, I think burn, motherfucker. Burn. <laughs> Sorry, Riley. Riley doesn't give me that vibe. Kiwis no, are very nice people. Yeah, all right. What about this? Have fun out there. Ooh, That's the call. Take it easy. And the response is? Put on sunscreen. Thanks a million. Okay. Let's go for it. All right, here we go. Have fun out there. Thanks a million. Oh, that's a that's a gig I want <laughs> to be at. <laughs> Crowd surf out to friendship. <laughs> whoever is uh, oh fuck yeah. Whoever says Robert Plant's the greatest front man ever is obviously overstooked Riley Stokes mm. with his overstook res- overstook Riley Stokes. Robert Plant, obviously, his famous um, call and response is puddle <laughs> power puddle power. And it was puddle. It's pedal puddle. Pedal, pedal, no, pedal, it's pedal, pedal power now. Yeah, it's a big biker. Love, love riding. <laughs> Keep on pedaling. Pedal, pedal, pedal. Uh, thanks for everyone. In summary, that supports the Patreon. You are you're fantastic. Where I feel like you're a fantastic. I feel you're like a... you're the call. We're the response. Together, we make a great show. Thank you. It's beautiful, Dave. That is beautiful, Dave.
It's not to sum it up. Uh, and to sum up the whole episode, if you want to get in contact at any time or buy tickets to any of our upcoming shows or you know, just say, hey, you can always head on, on over to our website, dogoonpod.com. And then there's at dogoonpod for Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We're always online. And if you're coming to our uh, Melbourne show, remember to contribute generously to Jess's <laughs> snack bucket. <laughs> snack. I thought it was a magnet bucket. Well, magnets and snacks. This feels like a real rot. I mean, Do not no. give her money. Sna- snack bucket sounds like a KFC meal. Okay. It's just, a, it's just I'm taking donations if you want to contribute to my magnet collection while we're on tour. And also, I said, I said that I wanted to be... Look after snacks for you guys. So really, it's for your benefit too. Thank if you people so much. give me their money, and if they have any like pound that they're like, oh, I can't get, I can't be bothered taking this in exchange. It would be ten bucks worth. What's the point? I'll just leave it there. Just chuck it my way. I'll look after it for you. All right. Um. All right. Just hold on to it, and just one day get back over there to sunny old Britain. Nah, just give it to me for snacks and magnets. <laughs> snacks and magnets. What, what do you, just quickly? Would you guys have a favorite Queen song? Oh, tough. Oh, I love "You're My Best Friend." Oh, that's a really that's beautiful a nice song. song. Yeah, really nice. We were playing that in the car yesterday. It's very sweet. So love. That is a really yeah. That is when a really it starts, nice I love it. Just uh, like, somebody to love is pretty amazing. It's a good one. I think mine's "Don't Stop Me Now." Oh, good one. Yeah, I was. I heard that a lot when I first travelled overseas. It yeah. sort of became the anthem of the trip. Oh, yeah. it's great to you hear the song. You think of the trip. Brilliant. Yeah, very good. Nostalgia. It's called Dave. Yeah. Look it up, Look fuckhead. It up. <laughs> <laughs> You've taken a beautiful moment there, Jess, and made me feel like a fuckwit. <laughs> good. That's my Thank, job. Thanks for telling the life of this there, Jess. Jess? Yep. Ooh, you're making me live. Thank you. You're my best friend. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll be back another episode next week. The big 150th episode. Oh. Cannot wait. We'll be here. You'll be there. It's going to be great. Who knows what else will happen? <laughs> Who knows? All right, thanks again, guys. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Incredible. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.